But then he goes on and he says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus warned his disciples of coming opposition because he didn't want them to be surprised and stumbled by it. He also did not expect that his disciples would immediately leave the synagogues or leave them by their own choice. They would be forced out of the synagogues for Jesus' sake. Jesus also warned that the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. That time quickly came as the life of Saul of Tarsus before his conversion came about. Since then, there have been many who persecuted and killed the true followers of Jesus because they think God is pleased. Now let's join Pastor Rob. How's everybody doing? Excellent. Let's open our Bibles to uh, John chapter 16. John chapter 16. You know these uh, chapters 13, chapters 13 through 17, and I've said this before, but just to kind of give you a frame or a reference... This really, these chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, these five chapters actually take place in a very short amount of time. And in the scripture, you know that sometimes there can be a great deal of time uh, between verses, sometimes years, sometimes decades, sometimes even uh, hundreds of years or even a few thousand years, but not so with these chapters. This 13 through 17 are are events that took place within a probably a 36-hour or less period. A very short time frame, actually. When Jesus was with his disciples, remember, in the upper room the night before he was taken and arrested and ultimately, hours from then, crucified on the cross at Calvary. And so Jesus, being in the upper room with them, he's been telling his disciples, preparing them, really, because... Jesus, as we know, is the good shepherd. And what does a good shepherd do when he knows that he's going to depart? Or when there's going to be a change in anything, the good shepherd makes sure that the sheep are taken care of. He makes sure that they know what's happening, where he's going, what's going to happen. He prepares them. And there's no different here. Jesus is preparing them because he soon would be leaving. He soon would be dying on a cross. And they wouldn't see him for three days. And see, you and I have the benefit of history. We have the benefit of of these events already being recorded for us. And for you and I, we're like, well, why didn't they just understand that he was going to rise three days later? Well, he did tell them, at least on three different occasions, that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would be betrayed in the hands of sinners, that he would ultimately be crucified. But then he said, 
I will also rise on the third day. And they heard that three times, but it really didn't get into their hearts. It really didn't get from here, from their ears, down into their heart. Because nothing like that has ever happened before. Do you understand? I mean, that is a significant thing for the disciples to comprehend. I mean, I try to put myself in their shoes. And I think it's important for us to do that as well. Because often, because we have the benefit of history... And the benefit of these things being written for us, we already know these things have already happened. And we're like, why didn't they just get along? You know, why didn't they catch up? But folks, listen, if we were there in the same time frame and we hadn't uh, understand everything like we we're probably the best fed sheep in all of the country. Do you know that? And I don't say that because of me, but I say it for my predecessor but I want to continue in that vein. But you know what? We've, we've learned and we know a lot. But when they were going through this, they had no idea what was happening. They were very frightened. All they knew was that Jesus is talking about his imminent death and, and that three days he would rise. Never heard of that before. I mean, they were having a hard time just, you know, getting their head around the virgin birth, which was another miracle. That's another head twister. And now he's going to be going, and then he's going to prepare a place for us, and that he's going to send the comforter. He's going to send somebody to help us? The Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit? I, I'm not sure I get that, you know. And the disciples were in that place, and so we have to cut them some slack. And you know, I really like the fact that the disciples didn't have it all together, because guess what? Neither do you. <laughs> and neither do I. Okay, I don't have it all together. I'm glad that it takes me an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes. I'm just uh, my latency is just a little, I'm just a little slow. Okay, and 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 for people like us, I'm really glad that we have this example for us because it encourages you and I. Because then we realize that we're no different than they are, and we can just rest in God's goodness. But Jesus is now preparing them for his departure. And so let's just read. We're going to look, we're hoping to get through the whole chapter today. You're going, yeah, right, but I'm going to try. But let's just look at the first 15 verses, shall we? Notice in verse 1, Jesus says these things. And remember in, in chapter 15, Jesus just spoke to them about the world's hatred for them. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they responded to my words, they're going to respond to your words. But then he goes on and he says, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember what that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, underline that word, it's an important word. If you have a King James, it probably says comforter. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, notice what Jesus says, I will send him to you, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he, I love these pronouns, okay? Just, just so you know, because we're in a, in a culture that is all about pronouns. I love the fact that it, the Bible says that it's he. It's not a, he's not a she. He's not an it. He's not they. You know, God knows who he is. He's not confused like everybody else. But anyway, I, I digress. So he will tell you things to come. And notice, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He will take of mine and declare it to you. And, and Lord willing, we'll finish the rest of the chapter today. But let's go back in the very beginning here, because this is interesting. Notice what it says. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. These things have I spoken to you. This phrase in the Gospel of John occurs six times. We see it in John chapter 14, verse 25. John 15, verse 11, and then here in John chapter 16, in the first verse, in the fourth verse, in the 25th verse, and finally in the 33rd verse, these things have I spoken to you. And again, does that remind you of, of something that, God, that Jesus is preparing? He's spoken these things because he's doing what? He's preparing. He's preparing them. And again, Forget what you know for a moment and just put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They weren't aware of any of this. Even though Jesus told them, it was kind of hidden from them. And I love doing that in the Bible. Place yourself as often as you can into the sandals of the one that you're reading about or the group of people. It'll really bring your time in the Word to life because you realize the dynamics all around the person who's speaking and those who are listening and those who are nearby. You start putting and, and read carefully the, the text because all these things are painting a picture for us and that really helps us to understand what's happening in the broad spectrum of things. But he's talking about his departure and what things specifically is Jesus talking about. This could very well mean the thing that he spoke to them concerning the world's hatred. We saw that and just look back at John 15, just the page before. Beginning in verse 18, Jesus told them, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Hey, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. I thought when I came to you, all my troubles would be over. I thought when I came to you, you would solve all my problems, that my issues of finances and my marriage that's a mess and all of these things, that you would just fix those things. And you know, Jesus wants to fix those things. But it also is incumbent upon us to abide in him. See, people treat Jesus like a rabbit's foot, don't they? They live their life like hell, forgive the word, they, they, they live like hell. And then they expect God to come and, and, and they, they pull out the rabbit's foot and they say, God, no, come on, help me. I just need some help here. And you know what God in his grace often does? In his grace, he often does. But he wants more than that from you. He wants us. He wants us to abide in him. And why? Is it because he's lonely and he needs some help because he's so insecure? No. God doesn't need anything. He's very content by himself. In fact, before he said let there be light, and before his creation, before he created it, he was very fine, thank you. He didn't have any arguments, he didn't have people to deal with. I mean, think how easy it was for God. <laughs> now he's got a lot of kids. 
For those of you who have a lot of kids, can you imagine that? You've got, you got electric sockets that aren't plugged. They're all over the house, and you've got these kids running around. That's what it was, and there's like serpents on the ground, poisonous things, and, and Jesus going, <laughs> Calgon, take me away. You know, it wasn't like that. But that's, you know, he's got a lot of kids. He's got all of us. And we're running all over the surface of the earth doing crazy things, and he's going, oy vey. Right? And he's taking care of us. He loves you, and he loves me. But it's not what the disciples signed up for. They're like, what do you mean the world's going to hate me? He says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, yet I, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So don't be surprised when you find yourself in the crosshairs as a Christian. If you're a newly saved or a new Christian, you may find it a little disconcerting to find that everyone doesn't share your same feelings about Christ, that they don't have the same worldview as you are. Because as you read the Word of God, what is happening? Our, our lives, our minds are being sifted. They're, they're being, I, I've got so much junk in my head from the things that I've learned from my past, from the things I've learned in college, from the things I've just heard in the world. And I've got so much of that stuff that I've absorbed. And when I got saved, it's like I've, I had to like expunge that stuff. And little by little, the Word of God is cleaning me. Isn't, isn't it a cleanser? I mean, it really is. It's more than that, but it, 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 it cleans my heart. It gives me a right perspective. It helps me to think things correctly, the way God sees them, the way God wants us to approach these things, and that's really important. But he goes on and he says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Folks, there's a time coming, I believe, when the church is going to go through some persecution. Not tribulation, because the tribulation is God's wrath upon a world that has rejected him and his son. I'm not talking about that. God says uh, he has not appointed us to wrath, his wrath. But that doesn't mean that we're going to skate through without difficulty. And I think coming shortly to a theater near us, there is going to be persecution. We're already seeing it, and we're going to see it more and more. Because we just don't fit. We're like, we're like the square peg that's being tried to be put into a round hole. It just doesn't work. We, we, we go to the beat of a, of a different drummer. The world is going to this satanic drummer. and We're going to this Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We're listening to his drumbeat, and we're following him. And there's going to be some incompatibilities. And we're seeing them. But see, his disciples, they needed to be prepared for the battles that was at their doorstep. And that would continue throughout the rest of their life on earth. And again, that's what a good shepherd does. And we need, we need to be prepared for the battle as well. Are you prepared? Are you getting prepared? Because it's been raging for a long time. And even now in our world, it is at a fevered pitch. The battle that is on. Did you notice that there's a battle for truth these days? Someone said that the, I've heard a quote one time, it says, the first casualty in any battle is truth. It's truth. And I'm going to say something here that some of you aren't going to like, but I, I believe in my heart that it's the truth. We are undergoing a time of great deception. We have been, and it really ramped up in the last two years. The rampant election fraud... The lies that have been told by the authorities concerning COVID, concealing the real facts, concealing and then outlawing things that are, that are time-proven remedies for COVID. And the rampant deception and malfeasance by the current administration in the White House and the mainstream media and big tech. Great, great deception. And that's just 
you know, and that's just something that's really come to front and center over the last year and a half, two years. But it had always been going on. But now we are in, we are in the bottom of, we're at the deep end of the pool. And what are we going to do at this time? This is the time, folks, for the church to rise. There has never been a time, and I've said it before and I'll say it again because we're right in the midst of it. And you, I want to encourage you to get prepared. Jesus was preparing his disciples, and I believe Jesus would have us to be prepared for what's coming. We know the bigger picture, and now the bigger picture is starting to look, oh my clearer than we've ever seen it before. So it behooves us then to really make our calling and our election sure, to know that we are in the faith, to know that we are Christ, and then to be ambassadors for him, to really say, Lord, search me, take every wicked thing out of my life. I tell you what, there's nothing greater than a time that right now for us to just be, to let the Lord purify your heart and your mind, and be willing to sanctify, be set apart from the world, set apart from the world. Jesus said, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Come out from among them, and when you come out from among something, the the, the logic stands that you're going to be set aside to something else. And it's him. He's the one I need to be separated unto. I I need to be sanctified. And he sanctified us. He's sanctifying us, and he ultimately will sanctify us. Do you understand? He's already done these things, but practically speaking, we have to abide in him. And I want to encourage you to abide in him because we can expect more tyranny and deception as the time goes on. In Matthew 24, verse 37, Jesus speaking of his second coming physically to the earth, not the rapture. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left, taken to judgment. Two women will be at the grinding at the mill, and one will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, be ye also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And Jesus was speaking of his second physical coming to the earth. We call it the second coming. And if that is the truth... If we are seeing these things in our world start to line up with the things that we're reading about the events coming yet future in the Revelation, if we're starting to, ooh, starting to get a little pretty close to what, we're, what we know is happening, if that is the truth, then how close is the rapture of the church? <laughs> we are very near the end, folks. And are we aware that as Christians, that we are involved in a spiritual battle for, for a, a spiritual battle not only for our own lives, but for the lives of other men and women? And the truth is under siege. It's often been said, like I said, the casualty in any war is, is truth. And we are in a spiritual battle. Do you know that? In Ephesians chapter six. Paul speaking to them, he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And now as Paul is shackled to this Roman soldier or Roman soldiers, and as he's sitting here writing this, and he may be looking at the soldiers, he may be shackled to them, 
uh, at some point, we don't know. But as he's looking at their armor, Paul equates all of these things to armor that you and I as Christians need to put on. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Are there any wiles of the devil going on? No, I don't think so. I, th- I think he's just, uh, you know, nothing's really happening. It's just kind of like boredom, you know, blasé kind of. No, no, it's ramping up. As the days of Noah were, so are the days before Jesus returns. And if that's the case, we need to be ready. But he says, you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You notice the the, the position of this? It doesn't speak of one going out with guns and knives and spears and baseball bats. It doesn't sound like anybody's going out. No, you just stand your ground, Christian. We need to stand our ground. But we do have one offensive weapon in all of this arsenal that Paul is going to tell us. He says, Stand therefore, having your waist girded about with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your, your, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Can somebody answer that phone? (laughs) Hello, Lord. Maybe it's him. Wouldn't that be great? He calls up and he says, I'm, gonna, I'm coming in about five minutes. <laughs> Got a little traffic jam at the border, but I'm coming. He doesn't need any of that. When he comes, it's going to happen. And it's going to be very quick. And hallelujah when it does, because I'm looking forward to him coming. Amen? But notice, and, for me, and so basically Paul gives these things, but notice the sword of the Spirit, this Word of God is our only and our best offense and defense, and why aren't we using it more than we are? It is the only weapon of this arsenal, of this helmet, this breastplate, this feet shot with the preparation of the gospel, our waist girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. We won't get into all that, but one thing we do have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So that means that that is our one thing that we have to battle Satan in this world. But are we really using it? Are we using it? Turn with me to Luke chapter 4, and I'll I'll read this to you. Jesus believed in it. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is chapter, or verse 1, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, notice, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days By the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when he had ended, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, and this is interesting, the devil approaching Jesus. What a fool's errand that is. He's going to try and tempt Jesus. And notice Jesus' response to each one of these temptations. And by the way, they mirror exactly what we see in the book of Genesis. What the devil did with Adam and Eve, he's doing the same thing to the second Adam. Jesus Christ. He did it to the first Adam, and now he's going to try the same bag of tricks on the second Adam. And, what, and, and where Adam failed in the garden, now Jesus is not going to fail. And what is his weapon of choice? 
Let's look at it. Notice what the devil said to him. If you are- That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.